Welcome back to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. If you're a new listener joining us today, I recommend you go back and start from the introductory episode. It will help today's episode and future episodes to make more sense. A few quick reminders as we begin. I'm not an expert. I'm just a person like you, living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience. What I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern finding. And while the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. It's important for us to remember that MS impacts each of us uniquely. I'm here to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. But what you choose to do with that information is always your choice, and what works for one may not work for all. Lastly, I'm new at this. Thank you for understanding that I can't waste too much energy on editing to make things perfect, or it won't be sustainable for me to write, record, and release a new episode each week, which I really want to do because there's so much to cover. All right, last week we talked about the power of being in a flock and having a strong support network. Hopefully you've started to grow your flock and maybe even joined us on Patreon so you can access our group flockings and even more great content. We'll have our first flock meeting on Saturday following this episode's release. So if you want to join us, and I hope you do, stay tuned at the end for more info. I want to quickly add a few more thoughts about the importance of surrounding ourselves with the right people that will lead us into today's topic of developing a strong learning orientation and growth mindset. While both are typically studied most in educational settings, I'm finding that they are incredibly important aspects of developing a strong healing orientation as well. Let's go outside for a moment to the garden, shall we? Do you know that many gardeners use the concept of companion planting to grow healthier crops? Placing certain plants near each other can improve growing conditions for one or both plants. For instance, garlic planted near roses repels bugs and prevents fungal disease. One of the best companion plants is the marigold. Marigolds protect nearby plants from pests and harmful weeds. Pretty much any vegetable plant placed near a marigold will go grow big, strong, and healthy, protected and encouraged by the marigold. How cool is that? In addition, they are very hardy and bright and cheery. I like to think about how I can be a marigold for others and also how I can be a marigold for myself. It's important to share these additional positive examples today because it's also important to acknowledge the other end of the spectrum. And this may have come up for you as you started thinking about your flock. The sad truth is that some folks in our lives aren't terribly helpful in helping us grow healthy and strong with MS. And it's equally important to learn to identify them. They can be the weeds in our garden, popping up regularly to disrupt our progress. This is a topic we'll definitely dive into, as an emerging pattern I'm noticing is that many of the folks with MS that I've met and gotten close to, and this is true for myself too, have a very tumultuous relationship with one or more people very close to them. 
it's usually a boundary issue. And learning about boundaries over the past two years has really helped me to better protect myself and honor that what I want or need in my life is just as important than what other people in my life want or need. So as you continue to grow your flock, keep that in mind. Not everyone can be counted on in the same way, and that's okay. Sometimes it can be just as helpful to examine what we don't want along with what we do want. Imagine our lives as a beautiful garden full of healthy and happy plants with not a weed in sight. Since we're going to be talking about growing our brains and making changes today, and we just talked about marigolds and companion planting, today's gratitude is for my garden and for my ability to putter and do some work in it most days. Currently, staying home with COVID-19, life has been different for most of us, although honestly not as different as the vast majority of people who don't live with MS or another chronic illness that limits their ability to do what they want to do or go where they want to go on any given day. One silver lining of COVID-19 is that more people may now be better able to understand how chronic illness impacts us. I'm sharing that message far and wide to hopefully gain awareness and empathy about the realities of living with chronic illness. In an upcoming episode, we'll more closely examine COVID-19 as it can serve as a helpful tool to dig deeper into the power of developing a growth mindset as a coping mechanism through unchosen change and periods of intense stress and anxiety. My garden is a very faithful companion right now. And each day I'm eager to get outside to see what's new. This excitement is palpable. I've always enjoyed time in the garden, but MS changed that for me when I experienced an extreme case of optic neuritis in 2016. Zero light detection. Yep, total darkness in my right eye. Even years later, I have a hard time talking about it. As with describing many MS symptoms, there simply aren't words that exist, at least in the English language, to express them accurately. What I can say is that I spent several months living in a 10 by 10 dark room. I felt my best at night when what I could see or sense around me to navigate the space felt right. The limited abilities in daylight were often too difficult to handle. I still to this day can't sleep without an eye mask. The slight pressure on my eye sockets is incredibly soothing. Did you know that optic neuritis is often the first sign of MS and that visual disturbances are amongst the most common symptoms we all face? The good news is that the vast majority of people experience mild cases and rec recover quickly, usually almost entirely. But if you haven't figured it out yet, MS lays a unique road ahead for each of us. Two weeks after I lost my vision, we were scheduled to go on a trip to Arches National Park, Canyonlands, and some of my favorite towns like Uray, Silverton, and Animus Forks in Colorado. How on earth could I do this when I couldn't see well and had horrible vertigo and balance issues? But the doctor said it wouldn't make things worse and would actually do me some good to get out in the world. We hadn't purchased trip insurance, so we went. Not gonna lie, some things about the trip were terrifying. And in retrospect, I certainly should have let Eric do all the driving. And weather is not one to be underestimated in canyon country. We love photography, so one morning we hiked up to an arch in the dark to capture the sunrise. 
The hike up in the dark was actually fine, since I was my best in low-light situations. But we got caught in an intense lightning storm, paired with a deluge of rain, with nowhere to safely take cover. And the hike down, once it was safe to be that openly exposed, was quite slick. On another day, we hiked out to another arch, where the last bit of the trail was just a narrow ledge with a drop of several thousand feet off to one side. No guardrail, no handle, just the narrow path with a sharp drop. Maybe not the best idea for someone who couldn't really see and was having pretty serious balance issues. And when we got back to the trailhead, we discovered that trail was categorized as strenuous. Also probably not the best idea. But here's the thing, and why I'm sharing this story. It was largely a glorious trip, and a huge mental health win. To learn that I could still enjoy myself, even with these new limitations. It was a confidence boost to experience the healing power of nature, and that not all was lost, despite the vertigo, balance issues, and the fact that my functional vision ended to the right of my nose. When my vision started to improve several months later, sadly no color returned to my right eye. I'm grateful my left eye is such a rock star, but to this day, years later, I still have very limited and very unpredictable ability to see any color in my right eye. And a lot of other vision issues like double vision, Vignet-like view with darkness on the outer edges, or random brown splotches, or lines like hairs that can't be removed. So now when I use the Ishihara's color test book at my optic neurologist's office, on my best days, I can only partially see the first image. They get progressively harder to see throughout the book. I'll post that link on Patreon in case you're interested in seeing it and testing your own color vision, as I find it fascinating to check every so often. One thing that does give me hope is that occasionally I can see a flash of some colors. Never all at the same time, and never with the intensity that I can out of my good eye. But after I was able to see fuchsia about six months ago, that completed the spectrum of what I was able to see, at least sometimes. So while my vision healing may be at a plateau, I'm hopeful I'll continue to heal more over time. With sudden triple-digit temperatures yesterday, I had horrible double vision that appeared just before an online class I'm taking. But luckily, I've acquired some relevant tools over the years to help that are worth sharing. Last November, I got my first pair of prescription neurotint lenses. Totally life-changing. They are like sunglasses, but a little lighter. The lens color is called Blackberry, and they have lenses like FL47 glasses that you may have heard of, in that they soothe your eyes. I wear mine for screen time in the evenings to ease pain and fatigue, and other times too when my vision issues kick in. Usually if I put them on soon enough, they keep things from getting worse. And in fact, yesterday, by the time my two-hour class was over, my vision was back to my normal. If you struggle with your vision, I highly recommend asking your vision provider about these lenses. Through all this tumultuous experience with my vision, I became truly obsessed with bright colors. I now have this insatiable hunger to visually devour as many bright colors as I can. My garden is the perfect way to do that. The couple who owned our home before us planted 100 roses. That's a lot of work to maintain. In fact, most days I have to limit myself to working on just five at a time because otherwise I overdo it and suffer greatly. 
But this spring, the bloom is glorious, and every day there is something new to appreciate, and I am so grateful for the vision I do have. I just received a shipment of new marigold seeds, so those are going in the ground later today. And I can't wait to watch them grow, and to especially watch how they impact the plants around them. Just like the marigolds, studies show that strong relationships help us live longer, be healthier, and manage stress better. Similarly, low social support is linked to depression, decreased immune function, and higher blood pressure. So, find your flock, and be sure to be intentional with whom you add to your garden. Your garden's success depends upon it. All right, let's get started on today's topic. You can grow your brain, the key to living well with MS. We're going to start off the learning section of today with a short meditation exercise. If you're somewhere where you can safely close your eyes, do so now. Use your common sense, people. If you're driving, for example, just listen for now. And then I encourage you to try it again later when you are somewhere where it's safe to do so. Sit comfortably, ideally with your feet flat on the floor, and breathe slowly. In through your nose and out through your mouth. Again. I would like you to imagine now that you are standing in your kitchen. Imagine you are standing at the doorway to your kitchen and glance around it noting the walls, cabinets, countertops, the floor. Imagine the appliances that are in your kitchen, the refrigerator, the stove, oven, dishwasher. Look at the countertops, noticing things that are placed there. If there's a window in your kitchen, imagine the window is open and a soft, warm breeze is blowing in, perhaps gently moving the curtains. There are pleasant smells in this kitchen, cooking or baking smells lingering in the air. It's a warm, inviting place. Now bring your gaze to the counter and notice that there is a beautiful wooden cutting board there. On top of the board sits a bright yellow lemon. You notice its color, a vibrant yellow, its size and its shape. You reach out and pick up the lemon, noticing how it feels to your touch. The skin is both smooth and slightly bumpy. You may see the end where it was attached to the tree. Next to the cutting board, you see a kitchen knife, one you use often. Return the lemon back to the cutting board and carefully pick up the knife in your dominant hand. Holding the lemon steady with your other hand, cut the lemon in half. As you do this, you're feeling the knife slicing through the fruit and it falls open revealing beautiful jewel-like pulp in neat rows. You see the fresh white pulp and perhaps some seeds inside. Drops of juice have spilled onto the cutting board. Now take one half of the lemon and cut it again, making a quarter size slice. Put the knife down and bring the lemon quarter up to your nose. You are aware of the sharp, fresh citrus scent filling your nose. Touch the lemon to your lips, 
noticing the sensation. Now, open your mouth and bite into the lemon. Go ahead and open your eyes. Could you taste or smell the lemon? Did you start to salivate? Many people do. And so if the power of our minds can make us have a physical response like that, couldn't it also be possible that our positive or negative thoughts could also have a physical impact on our bodies? If that's the case, what we think plays a critical role in our ability to get well, and frankly, to get what we want out of life in general. And this is great news, really, especially given that there is currently no cure for MS. What if, what if we can improve our health, even just a bit, through the power of our minds. Wouldn't you be open to trying it? Dr. Phil believes we generate the results we feel we deserve. Let's keep this in mind today as we continue to listen. And when we're faced with something new, especially something with a steep and daunting learning curve, like learning to live with MS, it's natural to feel insecure. I learned a lot as a young educator from world-renowned mindset expert Carol Dweck, and her teachings became an integral part of my approach with students. In her book called Mindset, Carol talks about mindset as how we face challenges and setbacks, and the power of our beliefs. She believes that our mindset strongly affects both what we want and how successful we are in achieving it. Much of what we think of as our personality is born out of our mindset. Carol talks about fixed versus flexible mindsets. The good news is that usually our mindset is a combination of fixed and flexible, depending on the topic or circumstance. And even more good news, we have the power to change our mindsets and grow our brain to a place of more positivity. If you haven't read Mindset by Carol Dweck, I highly recommend it. Her book gives concrete examples of how to shift from a fixed to a flexible growth mindset. In the classroom, this approach really worked. My favorite grade to teach was fourth grade, and part of that was because if you're a teacher or parent, you know that there's a sizable jump between third and fourth grade. There are big changes happening socially, emotionally, and physically, but also academically quite significantly. The focus, for example, is no longer on teaching isolated skills like writing paragraphs, but now it's utilizing those previously learned skills for execution of a larger, more complicated project. So with a steeper learning curve than ever, fourth grade could be daunting. And as a teacher, it was rewarding to make that transition as smooth as possible for my students. Carol Dweck helped me help my students with her simple lessons on growing and exercising your brain. In fact, her teachings became so embedded in my teaching, it was not unusual for students to go from below basic to advanced throughout the year. This wasn't because I was the greatest teacher of all time. It was because my students learned early and often about how their mindset could be used as either a tremendous asset or obstacle in their ability to learn. That's great and all, but what does it mean for us as people trying to heal? Developing a flexible growth mindset is critical to prime the pump for healing and develop a healing mindset. This is especially true since many experts, including Dr. Peyrovi, believe that 90% of illness manifests itself in the mind, 
Louisa Hay, author of Heal Your Body, also writes about this and believes that the root cause of specific health issues are caused by correlating negative thoughts. For example, she believes pain is often rooted in guilt, and where you feel pain, that pain is a message from within. So sciatica, for example, she believes is manifestation of fear of money and of the financial future. In a similar way, vision issues are thought to be caused by not liking what you see happening in your life. And tinnitus, she believes, signifies a stubborn refusal to listen to your inner voice. I chose these examples to share today because they are all things I experience regularly. And when I recently read Louisa Hay's book, I started to think deeply about these messages my body is trying to send me and how to approach that with curiosity and more of a growth mindset. The examples I cited above could certainly ring true for me, so this is one of the healing approaches I'm testing on myself right now. As a lifelong scientist, this sort of thinking does not come natural to me. It's not an avenue of healing I have explored until fairly recently. But luckily, I do heavily believe in the scientific method, so each month I try to choose a different healing pathway to try and just see how it goes. By surrendering to the possibility that it might work, I've more often than not been quite pleasantly surprised, and as a result, I'm much more open to trying a wider range of treatment options than I used to be. A flexible mindset embodies brain plasticity. When we are comfortable pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones, we actually help our brain forge stronger connections between neurons. So you're actually growing and strengthening your brain when you tackle a new challenge. It makes sense since our brain is a muscle. According to Carol Dweck, people with growth mindsets believe that trying hard is the key to success. They embrace failures and learn what to do better next time. They're excited by challenges. And when they struggle, they think, not yet, instead of, I can't. They have grit or mental endurance. They are better at managing stress. When you hear all this, you may think, wow, that sounds like me. But you may also think, wow, that doesn't sound like me at all. If the latter is true for you, don't worry. It doesn't really matter how you are now. The good news is that everyone can learn to develop more of a growth mindset over time. An easy way to do this is through reflection. Think about a failure you once experienced, maybe even a long time ago when you were a student in school. Did you raise your hand a lot to answer questions? No? Often we raise our hands only when we strongly believe our answer is correct. And we may be reluctant to participate for a while if our answer is deemed incorrect. So many of us, after years of experiencing this or experiences like this in a variety of settings, begin to fear being wrong. It also teaches us to sit back and avoid things we don't excel at and focus on solely the things we're good at. But if we only try things that we think we'll be good at, we're leaving a whole lot of learning opportunities untouched. And we can fall into a serious rut in our jobs, our relationships, and with our health, too. Again, the good news is that we can change this. We can learn to better accept failure as a natural part of getting better. Take this podcast, for instance. I've been a podcast listener for about 10 years, but I never thought I would launch my own. And it's been a serious uphill climb. I know it will get easier. I'm determined. I'm grateful I'm not afraid of challenges. 
But let me tell you, the road to the introductory episode was not easy. And then when it was complete, it took days to get it published. Every step took at least three times longer to complete than I had planned for. And in a way, I fed on that failure and became even more determined to find a way to do better. Now I'm trying to think of failure as just the announcement of a future opportunity. Just like with MS, where I'm starting to see my symptoms and flares as learning opportunities, messages from my body indicating that I'm not being as good of a listener as I could be, that I'm too stuck in my head, then equally connected to all the parts that make me me. And here's the thing. Even though it's not as easy as I hoped it would be, I'm learning so much, and that's exciting. In a bit here, I'm going to go out into the garden again. I'll be thinking a lot about mindset as I weed. There's nothing quite as rewarding as pulling a weed and getting it to release all the way down at the taproot. I plan to symbolically pull out and release the aspects of my mindset that do not serve me anymore and hold me back from healing. While I've made a lot of progress these past few years, I still have a long way to go. I'm committing to you that I will be actively working on better orienting my health mindset this week with affirmations of what heals me and letting go of what does not. Following each weekly podcast starting this week, I'll be offering interactive Zoom sessions for our Patreon listeners to discuss this episode's topic with other members of the flock. I really hope you'll join us. Become a patron on patreon.com slash msflock for the Zoom session schedule and invitation links. Membership is only $1 a month to access these important weekly flockings, and you'll also gain more access to great content like relevant show notes and resources, and the opportunity to be the first to learn about and participate in our MS pilot of our health website. Join us next week for our first interview, where you'll get to meet the Dr. Susan Peyrovi. And after that, we'll look at COVID-19 and the lessons it brings for us to more deeply explore our ability to change our mindset and better manage our stressors. Feel free to submit questions, comments, or future podcast topics or guest ideas to mymsflock at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next week, be thinking about how you can better develop your growth mindset to further fuel your healing. I look forward to chatting with the flock about this on Saturday. I'll be paying close attention to my patterns of thinking in my brain this week, and I hope you'll join me in that process and let me know how it goes for you. Remember, as Dr. Phil said, we generate the results we feel we deserve. So be kind to yourself. As we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it and with flying colors if we're flying together, supporting one another. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Be well.